Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. Join me today from a different location to usual. Usually I'm in my flat to the southeast of London, but today I'm dog sitting with Monica at my parents' house. So today I rode over this morning at about 9am to my parents. Monica drove over, but we will then both be riding and driving over from St Albans to the east coast of England to Ipswich for two weeks. So we're going to have a complete change of scenery. I'm taking the bike up, of course, and it will just be a really good chance to explore some different areas because, well, it's hard at the moment with lockdown and everything going on. I know that in theory you can book You can book travel, but it's just so up and down. I have no idea what's going on. I'm too lazy to get the check, so I thought it's just easier for now at least. Just stay in the UK at least until probably September, October. I've just been double jabbed about four days ago, so in about a week's time, I'll be all set to go. So maybe September, October, we'll head off then. But for now, make the most of the British countryside. We're off to Ipswich. I'll find some beautiful new roads. I may even look for a few green lanes over in that part of the world because it's it's just so much less built up as soon as you get out of London basically because London is just getting harder and harder I know I always say it but we were stuck in fact Monarch and I earlier in the week we went again in fact we went to see we went to see my parents again about five days ago and I had the bike because I wanted to get some good mileage in on the Speedmaster, the Tramp Speedmaster. And I rode back and I got back in about 55 minutes. But the big motorway that surrounds London was completely closed due to a crash. So Monica had to drive back and she got stuck in that crash and she was on the road for four hours four hours completely gridlocked people helpless it was all over the news you know families 
tweeting furiously why is no one bringing water around it was 30 degrees and people just stuck in their cars for four hours i it's it's the time when you well i always love biking but it's one of the absolute times when you just realize how incredible biking is they are the definition of freedom machines because cars are great but you can get stuck in a car and if you're stuck in traffic in a car you are completely helpless and there is absolutely nothing you can do apart from sit in that traffic and hope that it all comes to an end as soon as possible whereas on the bike on the speedmaster i was just happily gliding past everyone not a care in the world apart from knowing that monica would be a few hours behind me stuck in that exact traffic but it is such a satisfying feeling when you're splitting through traffic and the Speedmaster went. Oh, actually, if you hear, what time will it be? It will be one o'clock. If you hear one dong coming up in about three minutes, that will be the grandfather clock that my parents have in their dining room. So apologies for that. But the Speedmaster, it went back two days ago. And I got the Speedmaster. And when it arrived, I thought, you know, this does look like it could be my kind of bike. I'm, I'm quite excited by this, but... But not so outwardly excited as I am with some others. For example, the Speedmaster, I thought it would be my dream bike. I could not wait to get it. But the Speedmaster, but the, the Speedmaster went under the, under the grid, basically, for me. I didn't expect to like it as much as I've done. It has blown me away. So much so that I almost can't believe I'm saying this because... I try and stay level-headed now and not get too overexcited, but I think I'll say it, it's my favorite bike I've ever ridden. I did over 260 miles on it in the six days I had it. I did all types of riding from lane splitting, filtering, city riding, motorway, countryside, and it was an absolute joy in every situation. See, the great thing about these bikes, and I'm going to get onto this in a bit, so I won't go into it in too much detail, but the great thing about these kind of, what should we call them, mid-sized cruisers, is that they're slim enough to filter through traffic and to park, but also they've got the comfort with the big engine for long-distance cruising and laid-back easy riding. I, I just absolutely love it. And it got me thinking... Let's have a look at this. I know when I like a bike, if I get on straight after giving it back, I get onto eBay and Auto Trader, and I start looking at prices. Okay, they came out in 2018, the Triumph Speedmaster. The absolute cheapest one, £9,200. Uh, they just don't come down still. I may even have said this in the last podcast because I'm so keen on them. £9,200. They just don't drop in value. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. They've gone down 2000 in about three years. <sighs> and I don't know if my credit history is good enough to get financed, but I'm going to have a look at that. That is the one bike. Someone asked me on Instagram, would you sell your Bonneville to get this? I almost feel like I'm cheating. Yes. Yes, I would. I would sell it. And that is a big statement in my mind because the Bonneville is my dream bike. So I'm going to keep my eye on that, see, just see how the used market looks, see if I can become an adult and get a good credit history because I'm keen on that. Uh, I had. Th this is interesting. This is always an area of interest for me. 
had a lovely guy who messaged me on Instagram. He said, in fact, we've been in touch quite a few times. He said to me a few months ago, I, I think he's basically, he's moved over to London and he's looking, where do I get, where do I rent a property that's going to be safe for, for motorbike security? What do you recommend? So I said to him, just make sure that if you live in a flat, the block of flats has a secure motorbike slash motorcycle specific lockup. That's essential. If it's got cameras, additionally, that's brilliant. And if it's got a concierge, you are as good as guaranteed the bike being absolutely fine. So he, he found a place that he thought was safe. He is renting out the property. And apologies if I get any details wrong. I'm sure he'll flag me up on this. But but basically, he he's bought his motorbike. Lovely, lovely Yamaha Tracer, I think. Bought his motorbike. Locked it up in the lockup. Put the, the padlocks through it. And he went down. I think this was the first day that he had the bike in the lockup. Oh, here goes. Oh, you're lucky it's one o'clock because that that grandfather clock chimes once for every single hour of the day. It's one o'clock right now, but if it's 11 p.m., that's 11 dongs, and that goes on forever. But anyway, he's got he's got a lovely Yamaha. Um, put a bike cover on it. Put a lock through the wheel to secure it. Went downstairs on the first day. And the bike cover had been half lifted up. And I think he just thought, no, no, not on the first day. So clearly some thieves had come to suss out the bike and see what it was. Maybe to come back at a later date. I know the feeling. It's happened to me. Ah, so, so now he may even start looking for another place, either to live or to secure his bike. And it is a big... It's, do you know what? It's a big problem for everyone. In England... It's a gigantic problem. I know a lot of other countries have this issue. It's a very big problem. And if you live in a flat, an apartment, it is a very, very serious problem. For me personally, if someone says to me, what do you do? What would you recommend? This is what I've done. I've, I've never had a bike stolen in the 10 years I've been riding. And I've been living in London for nine of the 10 years, nine of the 10 past years. And... I've always lived in an apartment, so I've never had my own house with a secure personal lockup, and I've never had a bike stolen. And what I do is I have, and this is an absolute minimum, this is an absolute minimum. So for example, if I'm riding into London, I'll take a padlock, so a big thick chain with a padlock, that will get bolted around the front wheel, and then if there's a lamppost, wrap around the lamppost, great. And then on the back wheel, I'll put a disc lock. And then when I'm in a secure gated area, I'll usually put two padlocks on. See, if you look at where I live, the secure gated area and the secure bike parking, it's motorbike specific. Every bike there pretty much has two padlocks on it. And it really is, the, the minimum really is one chain and one disc lock. You've got to do that because otherwise it's just way, way too appealing for these thieves to steal. I've had so oh, there was one year I must have had about eight attempted thefts probably in total there have been in the whole development from both motorbike lockups probably 15 or so in the past six seven years attempted thefts a lot of the time there'll be a theft and my bike will have been left because I'm one of the ones that had two locks on the bike so it's an extra level of security so they'll always go for the easiest if they see six bikes there 
one of them's got one lock and the others have two or three locks, then they will always, always go for the easiest option, basically. But, but yeah, what what is going to happen? I don't know. I have a lot of people saying that, you know, the police are just too tied up. They can't do anything. But apparently the police are now doing a big push to try and tackle this. They're getting more police on police motorcycles to see if they can tackle this. Let's see if anything happens because, hmm. I don't know. Are there enough police to do anything? I have huge doubts. Moving on. Triumph. Listen to this. This is interesting. Triumph are launching or are in the process of creating an all-new range of motocross and enduro motorcycles. And this is quite interesting for me after, I think I said in the last podcast, what happened when I tried off-roading the brand new 2021 Triumph Street Scrambler. I fell over and was almost caught and trapped under the bike in one hour of hellish off-roading, probably the worst hour of riding I've ever had. So this is interesting. Triumph, there'll be a Triumph name to the motocross and enduro world. Listen to this. This is a quote from Triumph's website because they're going all out here. They've got two They've got two enduro riders. I'll be honest, I have no idea about any enduro stuff, so I'd never heard of the guys, but I looked uh, online and they have a gigantic following. So if you're in the right circles, these guys are a big deal. So here we go, quoting from Triumph. Triumph is excited to announce that development is well underway on a comprehensive range of all new competition motocross and enduro motorcycles. Joining our class-leading and globally renowned motorcycle range, this all new competition MX and Enduro family will bring all of Triumph's engineering expertise to riders and racers worldwide, coming hand in hand with this commitment to race and win at the highest level in the sport. Triumph is proud to announce that global motocross legend Ricky Carmichael and five times Enduro World Moto World Champion, sorry, Ivan Cerventes have joined the Triumph family as active partners in both bike testing and preparation for racing. So interesting. Oh, I, I really can't wait to see what they look like. Will they Will they try and keep that classic Triumph styling? Is it possible to do on these modern enduro-type bikes? My knowledge isn't good enough, I don't know, but I'd love it if they'd make a really light, focused Triumph. Is it too ridiculous, me saying it, it could look... I don't know. Is it possible to look something like a Rickman Matisse will try and go that retro? I doubt it, but that would be cool. But that's big news. Other big news. Harley Davidson. You remember I said a few weeks ago, possibly even a couple of months ago, I was heartbroken that Harley Davidson had now stopped selling the Sportster in Europe because it doesn't meet emission standards. And I thought, wow. That's a big name to lose. I know we've lost a lot of names, the Honda CB1100, things like that. But even the Honda Cub, I said a few weeks ago. Incredible. Honda Cub's gone in the Europe because it doesn't meet standards. But the Sportster, the name that started in 1957, I think, off the top of my head, is coming back. And it's coming back in quite a different way from which we've ever seen it before. Because, you see, the Sportster has always been... If we forget about the 750s and stuff from Harley, let's just focus on their real core. The Sportster has always been the cheapest, most affordable entry-level point into Harley-Davidson ownership. But that's about to change. And this is really interesting because the new Sportster, it looks really impressive. But let me give you an overview. It's a 1250cc engine. 
It's got 120, 120 horsepower. 120 horsepower and it's 14,000 pounds. Let me give you some context. The entry level soft tail Harley Davidson is 12,995 pounds. I never thought that would happen, that the, the Harley Davidson Sportster would be a thousand pounds more than a, an entry level soft tail. That is a very, very big shift. And the reason for that, Harley Davidson says that there's now, it, it's, there's a load of technology in it and it is a serious weapon. 120 horsepower. You probably know that horsepower, it's not the thing that bothers me too much or interests me too much, but that is a serious figure to have. The Scout, the Indian Motorcycle Scout, that's an 1100cc engine and it's got 100 horsepower and I test rode one of those for about two weeks. That is savagely quick with 100 horsepower. So 120 horsepower from the Sportster, uh, that, that is a serious animal. I, that's a serious animal. Let, let me get this up for a second, here we go. So, I'm having a look at it now and it does, it looks aggressive. Whereas the older Sportsters, they, they were much more kind of, you know, low rider chilling, nice, just relaxing, enjoying the scenery, proper, Proper old school, it, you know, it's my kind of bike. Proper old school looking bike, just sit back and enjoy. Not pretending to be quick, not aggressive, but just just a very nice place to be. Well, this is completely different. This is infinitely more aggressive looking. It, it Gone, gone are the circular, the circular headlamps. Circular headlamps gone. It's now much more modern looking headlamp. You've got kind of mid-rise exhausts on the right hand side with a really fat chunky tire it looks the business i don't even know actually i'm looking at it i don't even know if you'll be able to have a pillion on that someone let me know dob.bs at outlook.com let me know if you can get a pillion on this new harley sportster because looking at it i i don't know if you can and the exhaust is borderline scrambler level exhaust it's so high actually that will come up high and that would be that would be that would be quite warm for the rider, but actually I'm looking at this and just judging by that, I don't even know if you'll be able to have a pillion because those exhausts are so high. They look like they're about two inches below the seat. So that's going to be very interesting. It's a mean looking bike. It's probably too aggressive for my kind of riding in absolute honesty, but it's a very, very definite move into something infinitely more aggressive for Harley Davidson. It's a very different offering. Now, I guess probably what you're gonna have is the Street Bob Harley, and that will be that will almost kind of merge into the place of where the, the sports, the, the traditional sports was. And now this will slot into the lineup around about somewhere kind of lowish, lowish sports to money. Very, very interesting. I mean, it's almost like Harley have come out now and they've seen Okay, the Indian Scout, the Scout Bobber, you know, coming in at about 12k, something like that, 100 horsepower, that is a, that's a real statement bike. I said it when I tested it, that's, that's a, a big statement bike coming right, coming right at the Harley Davidson Sports, so that's a big statement of intent, and Harley Davidson need to look out for that, because... That, that at the very least, the Scout Bobber holds its own against the Harley, 
And now Harley, it's almost like they've seen that. Okay, okay, we see that. Let's raise you now. 120 horsepower, here you go. It may be way more expensive than the Scout, uh, but it looks like a more focused machine, actually. It probably looks like it's taken what the Scout have done, what Indian have done, and gone to another level. It is more expensive, but it looks like a really impressive machine for those who like that kind of savage power from a bike like that. And if you put it next to... Let's put it next to the Speedmaster. I tell you what, let's, let's go through this because these are the three competitors. The Triumph Speedmaster, Civilized, the Gentleman Bike. 11,850 pounds. The Scout, the Indian Scout, 11,899 pounds. Very similar to the Speedmaster. And then you've got the Harley Sportster, 14,000. I mean, that is a gigantic amount more expensive, really gigantic. It's probably a risk to price it like that, but I can't wait to see what happens. It does look very impressive. Horsepower figures as well. They're, they're all pretty much... 1200 engines 11 1200 cc engines but the speedmaster with 76 horsepower way way down on horsepower compared to the other two and you know what i love it for that you don't need any more than 76 horsepower i actually found and i had a few people agreeing with me that the 76 horsepower from the speedmaster is it's seriously quick it really is it, not savagely quick maybe that's pushing it too much but it's a genuinely quick bike that can shove you back in your seat and it gives you a real kick with its acceleration it's not a million miles off probably the triumph t120 actually so when you get up to the scouts at 100 the harley's at 120 it's borderline a ridiculous power and i mean that in a good way you know we all love these headline figures but these small capacity cruisers i really did want to emphasize this point as i've just finished six days with the speedmaster you know, they're very different, these three. The Speedmaster, it, it is a civilized gentleman. I said that the Scout Bobber is a thug and it is a beast of a bike. But now looking at this Harley, the Harley is probably going to take the mantle of the beast out of the three. So the Scout Bobber will sit somewhere in the middle of the two, which is going to be interesting how the Indian respond. But yeah, but, but now anyway, anyway, having the Speedmaster for six days has kind of confirmed in my mind the kind of bike that I like. And that is these mid-sized cruisers. They're just brilliant. They, they really do work in every single situation. I was amazed at how good the handling of the Speedmaster was. It's beautifully nimble feeling handling. The seat height's so low, even though it's 260 kilos, you don't feel that weight. Monica actually said, she sat in it and she said, my partner Monica, she said it's the most manageable feeling motorbike she's she's ever tried maneuvering and she also said it's the favorite or her favorite bike that she's ever seen in the flesh from the test bikes that we've seen those low seat heights they just make it so easy to jump on and off it's not intimidating at all it's just a really nice place to be and with the slim profiles of these mid-sized cruisers you can park anywhere if it's tight parking in London, for example, it's not difficult to park anywhere. You can weave in and out of traffic. You can lane split. It's just a great kind of machine to own. I really do think now that it's my ideal genre of motorbike, these mid-sized bikes. And these three are probably 
king in the sector. It's all down to personal preference which one you'd go for. They're, they're all, I haven't obviously tested the sports, but they will all be brilliant, brilliant bikes. So as I always do, or as I often do, I get overexcited. And on I go to Auto Trader and eBay to see what can I find? What type of used options can I find to get a nice, cool, kind of mid-size cruiser that will look good, maybe that lends itself to a bit of modification and that will be fun. But ideally, I don't want to be spending much more than four to five K because my budget won't allow it. Uh, I said already, Speedmaster, it's about 9K secondhand, so it's too much. But the old Speedmaster 865, you can get one of those for 4K, 4.5K for a 2010 model, so it'll be environmentally friendly enough so you'll be allowed to ride in the cities. They look good. The 1200cc engine suits it better, but these look good and you can modify them well. They're, I'm just looking at one now, 8.5K from a dealership. They're good-looking bikes. They're not as good-looking as the new one. I, I don't want to be dishonest, but but then they're not bad. Not bad. So that's four and a half k. That's the cheapest, what I would class as cool cruiser that I could find. I I, I rate those. I would consider one of those. Same engine as my Bonneville. Looks good. Um, okay, that's that one done. That's that one done. Okay, what have we got here? Indian Scout, I've said a few times. If you want a good bargain uh, with the Scout, forget it. Don't even bother wasting your time because they hold the value so well. Cheapest one, 9250 Forget it. And I mean forget it only because I don't have the money. If I had the money, I wouldn't be forgetting it. I would probably be considering it. Harley Davidson. Okay, what have we got? Sports this even the sportsters, even if you go to about 2005, they're still about five, six K. It's just incredible how well they hold the value. But I found a Harley Davidson 48. Now that's the 1200 sportster, the 48, for those of you who don't know, that's in essence, just a really cool custom style version of the sports. They're just, they've done a really good job to make it out of the box custom look. It, it's, it's a superb looking bike. And I found one of them, 2014 model, Harley-Davidson 48, all black, looks phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. 6,995 pounds. Okay, 12 months MOT, so it's good to go. 6,000 miles on the clock, incredible. That's absolutely nothing, it's, it's under 1,000 miles a year. Looking at these Harley Sports, it looks like people don't actually ride them too much because they've all got super, super low mileage. It's mind-blowing. I mean, you know, 10-year-old Harley, 9,000 miles. 10-year-old Harley, 13,000 miles. 8-year-old Harley, 6,000 miles. 12-year-old Harley, 8,000 miles. 13-year-old Harley, 10,000 miles. Five-year-old Harley, two and a half thousand miles, and nine-year-old Harley, thirteen thousand miles. People don't ride the Sportsters. They buy them and they don't ride them. The mileages are all microscopically small, and obviously for such a big engine, twelve hundred cc, so unstressed. I think they've only got about fifty-seven horsepower. They'll go on forever. But people do not ride Harley Sportsters. It's almost like <coughs> it's just um, 
I guess it's just a bit like, you know, um, a, a really a nice thing to own that you're proud of. Take it out for a couple of rides in the summer. Wow, that's interesting. But yeah, you get a nice Harley Sportster that I would class as cool. About 6K. That's, that's worth considering. And the final bet I wanted to get onto today. How am I looking for time? Perfect. That's very good. Okay. I like to keep under half an hour if I can. Just being conscious that maybe you're driving to work or maybe you're just listening after you get back from work or something like that. You don't want me going on too long, but let me tell you something. Bellstaff motorcycle wear to end, <clears throat> to end this podcast. Bellstaff, if you don't know, are a really, really high level, <coughs> kind of aspirational motorcycle brand that everyone, am I pushing it? Everyone wants. And I say that as having never owned a piece of Bell Staff gear in my life. It just looks brilliant. Loads of loads of people absolutely rave about it. It seems to be just about the just about one of the absolute coolest names in motorcycle wear. But it is not cheap. You're looking at anything from about five hundred to a thousand pounds per jacket. Let me just give you a snapshot: Bellstaff motorbike and jackets, nine hundred seventy-five pounds, nine hundred seventy-five, six hundred ninety-five, one thousand and twenty-five, seven hundred twenty-five, five hundred and twenty-five pounds. It is completely out of the reach of most bikers, including myself. But let me tell you what I found on eBay. As you all know, I'm a big fan of eBay. And what I often do, if I see an item of clothing that I that I like, I will often find what I like. And then the first thing I do is I'll go onto eBay and type in the exact model of the thing that I like the look of. For example, Bellstaff Motorcycle Brooklyn's Wax Cotton Jacket. So that's the Bellstaff Brooklyn's Jacket. That jacket comes in at 525 pounds and I've been on to eBay and I've typed in Bellstaff Brooklyn's jacket and here's one and the price buy it now 225 pounds and I've seen other ones as well so that is way under half the price you save 300 pounds and it looks it looks great it looks used, but there are no scratches, there are no tears, there are no obvious signs of usage. In fact, actually, I'm reading it now. Condition is used, and it has only been used a few times. And I know firsthand when you sell on eBay, you, 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 you can't expect to get anywhere near to retail price when you sell stuff. So that is, I'm actually so tempted, I, I may even go for that myself. They've still got all the tags. They've kept all of the tags. So it's got all of the tags. It, it is in, in essence, as new condition. So that is a £300 saving. I also found, just to give you some more idea, I found the Trailmaster jacket from Bellstaff. Currently £575 on the Bellstaff website. I found one for £175 on eBay. So if you're looking for some motorcycle gear, and you just think, oh, oh, I'd love that bit of gear, but it's just way too much. It's completely out of my price range. Oh, well, maybe in another lifetime. Don't worry about it. Get onto eBay, get onto Gumtree, get onto Facebook Marketplace. Have a look at these because you will get a bargain. And the second you've worn a piece of 
any clothing. It's secondhand anyway, right after the first wear. So have a look and see if you can find it online because you will be amazed. You'll absolutely love it. But that's it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you've got any questions, actually, any questions, any ideas on what you'd like me to chat about, just ping me over an email, dob.bs at outlook.com. And you can message me on Instagram, that's dob.bs. And keep an eye on my YouTube because at the moment, if I can, I'm doing about two videos a week with my next one being my final thoughts with the Speedmaster. You can just type in Freddie Dobbs to YouTube and you find that. It should be out in a few days' time. But thank you so much for listening and I will see you in the next one. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.